Hey guys, welcome to the Dirty Giants podcast. We got Stieg Phillips on this week. We're going to talk about some giant Nevada deer. He's going to tell us the story about his Nevada archery buck. And then his little brother also killed a really big buck on the rifle hunts in Nevada. So we get to hear those stories. And then he started up a couple uh, hunting businesses that we're just going to talk about briefly. So let's get into it. Hey guys, and then just one more thing real quick. I wanted to try to reach a few more people with the podcast. So if you'll do a screenshot of you listening to the podcast and post it to your Instagram story, um, and then tag Dirty Giants, uh, I'm going to select a random person and I'll send them a free hat, a free Dirty Giants hat. So I appreciate the support as always, and let's, let's hear some big buck stories. All right, guys, welcome to the Dirty Giants podcast. We got Sieg Phillip on. Uh, Phillips, he has been on an episode in season one, but I wanted to get him on again because he has some really cool stuff going on. He killed a big archery buck that I wanted to hear the story of. And then he also started um, Canopy Tripods. And he, I, I met up with him today to... Um, take a look at his tripods, and they are really cool. They're lightweight, um, but they are they're they're just awesome tripods. So we'll talk a little bit about that. So thanks for getting on. Yeah, you bet. So I guess kind of to start, um, I just want to kind of hear what got you so passionate about mule deer. I don't know. There's just something about mule deer uh if you put a 400 inch bull on one side of the road and a 200 inch buck on the other side of the road i'd probably glance back a few times to make sure the bull was still there but i'd probably spend most of the time looking at the mule deer (laughs) i just think a, a 200 inch buck is a lot harder to find than a 400 inch bull yeah, there's that's that's how I am. There's something about mule deer that just that do it for me that I just love chasing them, and I I know you're that same way. Um, so you killed you killed a really awesome archery buck, uh, and I what? So you drew the tag. What do you do as far as scouting? Like, how do you prepare for? Um, an early season archery tag. So that's the hardest thing for me. I'm sure like most people, when, I draw, when you draw a tag, you get really excited. And yeah. so I want to start scouting the day that I draw the tag. But the day I draw the tag, you have no idea what the buck's going to look like come August. So I usually start scouting the first part of June, mid-June right in there. Okay. I just start. Go ahead. Oh, so what? Like, I guess you were probably going to say this, but what does your, what does that consist of? Like, so what are you doing? I guess mid June versus like a week before the hunt. So, usually mid June, I'm putting a ton of miles on, just checking all the spots that I've seen good deer in the past or spots that I heard that there were mate that there was a good buck the year before things like that just trying to figure out where the deer are 
where they're hanging, kind of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I don't like running trail cameras. I kind of think it's cheating in a way. So I don't run cameras. The only time I ever put up a camera is if I have found a buck and I want to get some better pictures of him. Okay. Have you ever, like, I guess hunting in Nevada, now they have the trail camera uh, law, but do you feel like uh, not using cameras as much, I guess, as most other people, does it, do you feel like that puts you at a disadvantage or do you feel like that gets you more time um, glassing? So you, you're finding maybe deer or seeing deer that other people aren't seeing? Um, I, it probably puts me at a little bit of a disadvantage. The main reason I don't like them is I feel like nowadays every deer in the country has had its picture taken because of them. Mm -hmm. And I understand there's guys that aren't as lucky as I am to live where I do and do this kind of stuff where they can't go out every day and look. So trail cameras is a good option for them. What I think is killing it is these people that have two or 300 trail cameras and are running them all year long and have all these pictures of these big bucks that they never would have found without trail cameras. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying there. Sorry. I kind of got off topic. So, so what you're doing, you're, you're glassing. uh, Are you glassing pretty much every evening and, uh, a morning before season or what are you tracking or what are you doing to find these bucks? I'm, I just go out and find a spot that I'd heard there was a buck or I knew there'd been bucks in the past and I just get on a good glassing knob and glass mostly evenings and as many mornings as I can. Okay. So, um, and then once you find a few particular bucks, um, are you spending uh, time trying to pattern them, or are you still looking for other, um, I guess, other bigger bucks? Um, I'll usually start trying to pattern a buck a few weeks before the hunt. Okay. I just try and spend most of my time just trying to find as many as I can, knowing that I'm not going to be the only one that knows these deer are there. So I'm going to have competition. So I want as many options as possible. Right. And so too, another question, um, when you say you're trying to pattern a buck, like what are you looking for? Are you looking for bedding areas or is there anything in particular that like when you see a buck, like, I guess, bed down or feeding, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that buck's killable, he's in a pattern, or what What are you looking for? Well, mule deer are very consistent. I wouldn't say they're as consistent as, like, a whitetail, but they tend to walk basically the exact same trail every day from where they're bedding to where they're feeding, you know, when they go to water, they seem to walk the exact same trail. So when I pattern a deer, all I try and do is learn what trails he likes to walk to get from point A to point B so that I could position myself 
in a place where I could basically intercept him going from one spot to the next. Okay. That makes sense. Okay, so then let's let's get into your hunt. You told me a little bit bit about it when I was looking at the tripods, but um, on this particular year, uh, you had multiple uh, big deer found. So how I guess you can just go into it, kind of tell us how you decided which deer you wanted to hunt and how how your hunt went. Uh, so the first one that I found this year was in mid-June and I got up the one morning and decided I was going to backpack into or I was going to pack back into this area that we'd always had good luck in we'd seen some nice bucks in there some big bucks in there uh-huh and so I got up early and I drove out there it's like a three four mile hike back into there I hiked back up in there last all morning and didn't even see a doe <laughs> and so I was kind of bummed hiked back to the truck thinking well this sucks this year's been so dry there's no deer anywhere and i just about half a mile from the main road heading out of there and driving in the truck and i look over and i go oh well there's a buck right there and 200 yards off the road is this weird he was like a four by two like 30-inch wide buck standing there. Okay. So I'm looking at him, and all of a sudden his buddy stood up, and his buddy was a 6 by 5 I figured he was right around 30 inches wide. And I, and at the time, mid-June, I was figuring he was like a mid-170s buck. So I figured he was going to turn out really good, be a 190-inch plus deer. <laughs> something to keep your eye on for sure yeah yeah so i that was when i put up trail cameras i went to go put up trail cameras there and turns out a lot more people knew about him than i thought there were about 20 trail cameras on both of the guzzlers right there close to him oh, okay <laughs> so he was pretty well known known yeah so my original thought was I'll just kind of hunt this one. And so I went back out to the same area a few times and I found out quickly that there were a couple of bucks in there that were definite shooters. There were three bucks right there within two miles of each other that weren't hanging with each other. Uh huh. And they were all right around that 190, 200 inch range. Jeez. So, at that point in time, I went, well, I'm obviously going to have competition on any of these three bucks. So, I got to broaden my options a little bit. And so, I checked a few more places, found a couple of bucks that were right around 180 is what I thought they would end up being. Really nice bucks. And then, about two weeks before my hunt I had gone up into a spot where we'd had a lot of really good luck in the past and right before dark I caught a buck on the skyline coming over and I just got a glimpse of him and it was really starting to get dark and uh, 
all I could tell was he was a nice buck, a big frame deer. Right. So I ended up, that was a couple of days before I could get back out there to see what he was. So I went back out there and hiked back up into kind of where he was and started glassing. And sure enough, he stood up and he was a straight four point. Well, he had a little tiny extra off of his main beam on his right side. Uh huh. But his right side was just a great big floater main beam. The other side came and turned up. I mean, he, he was a cool big buck. I would have guessed he was probably right around 190 inch deer. <laughs> Jeez. He was about 28 inches wide, but the problem was, was he's hanging on a wide open hillside with nothing around him at all. So, so he's going to be hard to kill with a bow. Yeah. So I started watching him, trying to figure out how I was going to get on him with a bow. And op- so opening morning, sure enough, the spot that I'd found with the three great big bucks in it, uh-huh. there was 15, 20 people down in there. So I decided just to go up where I'd seen this other buck with the floater main beam and just watch for him. Right. So I got up there and was watching him still, trying to figure out how I was going to get to him. And then finally the one day we, me and my brother hiked up there to glass him and there was a guide up there with his hunter and the hunter was going in after the buck. Yeah. And I don't like competition. I don't like trying to compete with somebody for a deer. So I just walked away from it. I said, I'll come back in a week or two and see if that buck is still around. And if not, I'll find something else somewhere else. So I ended up looking other places and never could find anything as good. Went back a couple weeks later and he was gone. So now I was thinking I was really screwed because all the bucks I was looking for disappeared. (laughs) Yeah. So I went back up on this rocky, nasty mountain that we always had good luck on Uh and hiked out to the edge and looking down off the, on the hillside and sure enough, this five by four comes walking out of the trees. He's like a 180, 185 inch buck. I've only got a week left in my hunt. Okay. I thought, man, I thought, man, if I can get close enough. I'll take a shot. I'll see if I can get him. Uh Uh-huh. So I started sneaking down through this shell rock, you know, trying not to make any noise. I was only like (laughs) 300 yards from him. Yeah. Uh, By the time I got down there, he didn't spook, but he just kind of walked along the edge of the hillside. And it was kind of thick, so I thought, well, I'm down here below the shell I might as well just keep walking and see if I can cut him off somewhere so I'm hiking along this hillside trying to watch for him trying to be quiet and all of a sudden a couple of sheep like a farm like farmer's sheep yeah standing on the hillside in front of me (laughs) 
and so I'm looking at them thinking, how did, how did they get up here? And yeah. they're looking down the hill instead of at me. So I look <laughs> down the hill, and the buck's standing there down the hill 70 yards from me. Nuh-uh. <laughs> yeah. So I ranged him, knocked an arrow. I'd been practicing at 100 all summer long just because I knew I wanted to be able to take a shot at 70 or 80 yards if I had to. Right. Knocked an arrow, and I didn't even kind of think about the angle that I was shooting on oh. and let it fly and shot right over the top of his back. <laughs> Shoot. And so I was pretty pissed. I told my wife if I saw a nice buck, I was going to shoot it. She was getting kind of tired of me being out all day, every day, looking for a big buck. <laughs> yeah, I know how that is. <laughs> yeah, so he got away. I was thinking, well, maybe I can find him again. So I went home that night, and one of my buddies called me. said, hey, I was just right up over here today at these at this ranch and they've got like 10 bucks over 190 that are coming into the fields every night and nobody's out there hunting them (laughs) so i was like well hell i guess i'll go check that out in the morning so i got up the next morning called in said i couldn't go to work went out and I got out there and the sun started coming up and there were elk everywhere. There had to have been five, 600 head of elk. (laughs) And so I'm thinking, this guy's just yanking my chain. He sent me out here because he knows there's no deer. There's only elk. (laughs) And he wanted to get my hopes up. (laughs) And so I'm just getting ready to leave. It's like nine o'clock. All the elk had cleared out. I hadn't even seen a deer. And this buck comes walking up and jumps the fence out of the fields and starts walking out through the sagebrush. And I put my spotting scope on, and I took one look and went, well, that's a good enough buck. (laughs) He's as big as that 185-inch buck I took a shot at. I might as well go for it. Yeah. So having no clue even what he really was i just started kind of sneaking down through the sagebrush thinking man if this works it's going to be a miracle (laughs) so i got about a half a mile down from the truck and i have no idea where the deer is it's just a valley with a couple little rolling hills in it all of a sudden he comes walking up over the ridge right towards me about a hundred yards no way and so i just squatted down in the sagebrush got my rangefinder out shaking so bad i couldn't even range him still have no idea how big he is just know that he's a good buck right and so i can't i can't range him i have no idea how far he is i'm too shaky (laughs) put my rangefinder down and get everything ready and say, okay, I'm just going to let him keep coming and let him get as close as I can. And then when I think he's as close as he's going to get, I'm going to shoot. 
So I just sat there and waited until he came up about 20 yards is what I figured. And when he got 20 yards, I came to full draw and just let it fly and stuck him perfect. He was hard quartering to me. So the arrow hit right behind his front shoulder and came out his other hind quarter. And he turned and whirled and ran and went about 50 yards and just crashed into the dirt right there. <laughs> so I so I walked up to him. No idea what he is. Yeah. I'm, I'm terrible at judging a deer on the ground. <laughs> you know, pictures. Things like that, I can do it, especially if it's one of my bucks. I'm terrible at judging a deer on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what did you kind of think he was when you walked up to him? Uh, I walked up to him, and I he had he ended up as a 5 by 6 just barely a 5 on the one side, just a little point that's one inch long. Uh-huh. And I was thinking, well, I really wanted something with some extras. Yeah, he's like 25 inches wide, maybe <laughs> 170, maybe. And so I called my dad to see if he could come help me, and he had gone out of town for work. And told him, I said, he's nothing special. He's a nice buck, though. <laughs> so I take him down, get him all loaded, and decided I'm going to stop by my buddy's house that told me about the bucks up there so I could show him. Yeah. And I pull in and my buddy goes, man, that's a nice buck. And I said, yeah, he's decent. And he goes, I think that you're way under judging him. And I said, <laughs> oh, I don't know. So he grabs his tape measure out of his truck and pulls it across there and he goes, well, he's 33 inches wide. <laughs> Holy crap. So he just took his hard tape and measured out a couple little things on him real quick and goes, I bet he's between 195 and 200. You let me know. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I guess I killed a big buck. You know, and <laughs> it was like the most anticlimactic hunt of my life. I killed this deer and I get up to it and I think it's, just a nice buck and I get it down there and we start looking at it. Turns out it's a giant. <laughs> and so, so he took him, he was just about to rub his velvet. I mean, he was hard horned all the way up to the very tip. So I just took and hauled butt over to the taxidermist to get him injected. And I got over there and he was so finished out that they couldn't even inject him. He just ended up soaking him in formaldehyde, uh-huh. and it ended up sticking. But So I got him home, and I threw a tape on him, and I taped him out a few times. I got him at 200. I kept trying to get him Jeez. a little smaller or a little bigger because nobody believes a solid number like 200, <laughs> but I couldn't yeah. get him at anything other than 200. Gosh. <laughs> That's insane. Geez, so, so you killed that buck with three days left um, in the season. Um, so what do you feel like you learned from that hunt, um, and I guess that deer in particular? Um, I think the big thing 
that I learned is that archery hunting is really hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was my first archery buck. I'd never killed one with my bow before. I was always too picky, always holding out. <laughs> but I think one of the big takeaways from it was you make your own luck when you're out hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're spending the time and you're hunting hard and you're really working at it, eventually you're going to come across something and it might just be a, just a complete lucky thing like that. But, you know, I probably had between my hunting and scouting, I probably had over 60 evenings and mornings out looking, trying to find something. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely uh, put in the time for that hunt, I guess, not necessarily that particular deer, but you, you were constantly in the field. And once you did get an opportunity, you made the most of it and made it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's all about the time that you spend out looking. So um, another thing I was going to ask you, um, so spending that much time, obviously you do a lot of glassing. um, And then this kind of goes hand in hand with your tripods because, I mean, you got to glass off of a tripod to be effective. Um, Can we talk a little bit about your, your tripods? Yeah, so I had the idea, actually, right after I did the last episode with you. I was in Sportsman's Warehouse, and Mm -hmm. I was looking at the tripods because I really needed a nice tripod. I didn't have one. I just was making do with what I had. And I decided, you know, a tripod cannot be that expensive to make. You know, these tripods between, by the time you get a head, you're almost a thousand bucks for a high quality tripod. Right. So I started doing some research and started trying to design and find a place to manufacture tripods for me. And after months of searching online, Uh I finally found a place that was willing to make my tripods that I designed and do them the way I wanted. So I got a hold of them and I ordered the prototype in right before my archery hunt. And it makes a world of difference having a quality tripod (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was so nice you know to throw the tripod on your pack knowing that it's going to be stable in the wind and be able to hike up a hillside and feel like you're not even carrying your tripod right well you brought them over today and you brought over two different models one was three pounds and the other was five. And uh, not only are they light, but 
um, they, they fold, you can fold the legs um, upwards, and so they can fit in your pack really, really good. They're the most compact tripod I've seen. So those are two things that I, I really liked about them. And everyone I've talked to that have that's used them really like them as well. So yeah, so, I think that I think that they're all around a good tripod. And the one that's three pounds is the uh, Pro Backpacker model. And I just barely came out with it a month ago. And it's got a ball head on it, which a lot of guys don't like the ball head, but what we did with our ball head design is we made it almost like a fluid head where you can adjust the tension on it. So you can set your tension so that the second you let go of it with your binoculars or your spotting scope on it, it just stays right there. It doesn't move an inch. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't glassed off of one yet, but (laughs) they looked awesome. And like you said, the, the the fluid head on there, I, I tried both of the, the heads and um, you can tighten them down and then loosen them just enough so that you can pan and tighten them back down. So they're pretty sweet. <laughs> um, yeah. Where, where are you able to find those? Is it muleymaniacs.com? Is that where you're selling them from or how can people yep. find them? Yeah, I've got them on muleymaniacs.com. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go on, there will be a little menu bar up in the left-hand corner. And when you click that, it will bring up all of our all of our stuff on muleymaniacs.com. You'll have your Muley Maniacs hats and shirts, your We Hunt Public hats and shirts, and your Canopy tripods, and all of the clothing stuff for it as well. Sweet. And then uh, going off that, you also have something else coming down the line. Um, your your camo that we were talking about. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So I've wanted to do a kind of a camouflage for a long time just because I think camouflage is cool. But there's a ton of companies out there that does camouflage anymore. You know, the when Sitka and QU came out, they were kind of the first first of their kind with the I don't even know what the fabric fabric is, like the polyester stretchy fabric. Uh-huh. But now there's literally hundreds of them. So my idea was well you know, there's plenty of times where you get out hunting and it's freezing cold outside and you end up looking like the Michelin man because you got on so many coats. <laughs> right. You can't move that good. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, why not make a battery heated camouflage out of that same fabric that everybody else is using just to make regular camouflage. So what I did was I found a guy that wanted to make jackets and pants for me. And he ended up being able to make them battery heated. 
And so I just had to come up with the camouflage pattern and yeah. and the name. So the name was kind of fun. I ended up just getting on Google and looked up how to say heated in different languages. <laughs> and I don't even know what language it was, but the one was Baruto. And I really liked it. So our heated camouflage system is going to be Baruto gear. That's sweet. When do you uh, when do you plan to come out with that? Um, I'm hoping to be able to come out with it by this year's hunting season. I'm hoping to be able to release it in like August. Okay, that'll be sweet. Yeah, I'll definitely have to try some of that. That sounds that sounds awesome. Yeah, um, my whole my whole goal with Muley Maniacs was to just kind of turn it into turn it into somewhere where people could go and buy this quality hunting gear that that's not going to cost them an arm and a leg. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think you're off to a good start. I can't wait to see what else you come up with. It's pretty sweet. Um, and then uh, I'll I'll link um, that uh, Baruto gear Instagram too, so people can check out that pattern that you came up with. I saw you posted it on that, so I'll link that um, in our Instagram. And then before you left, I wanted to hear one more story. I wanted to hear about uh, your little brother's buck. The it's like a three by four mainframe buck, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that year, so he uh, he drawn a youth tag in Nevada. Okay. So youth tag, you can hunt all three seasons. So we'd gone out scouting a little bit before the archery hunt and messing around and actually turned up a pretty big buck. He was, he didn't fork real big, but he had a big split extra on the one side. We figured he was like right around 36 inches wide. Jeez. So he was, the buck we were going after the whole time. So Uh the last day of the archery hunt, him and I put a stock on it and we came up around these trees and he'd been bedded there for a little while. And as soon as we walked around the trees, he had us pegged. We were like 30 yards and he was facing us with a two points butt covering half of his chest. So my brother came to full draw, and I just said, no, 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 don't take the shot. (laughs) Yeah. And so he let off, and the buck spooked and ran out. And we ended up coming back in the muzzleloader hunt, just hoping that he was still there. And sure enough, we were able to find him. Uh Uh-huh. And that day, that evening, him and my dad went in, and actually shot the buck, thought that 
it should have killed him. It hit him right at the base of the neck okay. on a downward angle. Yeah. But we tracked, we looked for blood. We found like two drops of blood. We hiked the entire hillside that that buck was on. And we got to the very end of the hillside and my little brother actually jumped the buck up still alive. Oh, was, no way. That was a week later. Oh, so, a week after a week after you hit it? Yeah, or... a week after he had shot him. Okay. So we knew that the buck wasn't dead and he wasn't going to die. Yeah. And that time he jumped him ended up being the last time we ever saw him. He just disappeared. So we started looking all over the place trying to find a another buck for him. Right. Like, like all the good stories, the last week of the hunt, I had to work. <laughs> so they all went out hunting. Uh-huh. So I got a phone call the like the four days from the end of the hunt, and it had been cold. My dad said it was three degrees outside that morning Jeez. when he got out of class. <laughs> Holy cow. And he, so he pulled up and got out of the truck, and he had my sister with him, who, who also had a tag, and she wouldn't get out of the truck. It was too cold. <laughs> so he walks over to this rock edge to start glassing, and right when he get, got over there, he jumped this buck out. And all he could tell was it was a big frame and it had some extras. And he said, he told me, he said, I saw that and started running back to the truck to get her. He said, by the time he got there, the buck had gone into the trees and disappeared. And they went up there the next few days and couldn't find it. Uh huh. So everybody started giving him a hard time about his mystery deer that he saw. <laughs> So finally, the last day of the hunt, there'd been a three by four with an extra on his three point side that was hanging out around there. That was a really nice buck. And so they started to put a stock on him and got about halfway to him. And my grandpa radioed and said, hey, there's a buck over in the clearing in the trees right there. And it looks like he has a few extras. So they glassed over and sure enough, it was that buck that my dad had jumped up. Oh, no. Yeah. So they set up 600 yards and my brother, who is really a really good shot. Yeah. I mean, this kid rarely misses anything. (laughs) He, Shoots the first shot, hits right at the deer's feet. So the buck just stands there. So my dad goes, okay, aim four feet above his back. Yeah. So he aims four feet above his back, shoots, the bullet goes four feet above his back. So he goes, all right, then just put it right on him and shoot. So he put one in, put it right on him, shot, and the buck hunched up and turned and ran back into the trees. They knew they'd hit him, but they didn't know how well. 
Yeah. So they decided to pack up and just go back in the morning to get him. Right. So they called me and said, hey, we shot one. We're going to need some help finding him. Do you want to come out in the morning and help us find it? So I was like, heck yeah, I want to go see a great big buck. (laughs) So I took off that morning. By the time I got up there, they were already out hiking through the trees. So I just started walking through the trees and somehow we all ended up finding the deer almost at the exact same time. Nuh-uh. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, we set up and took pictures. He ended up being a three-by-four mainframe, and he's got one extra on his three-point side and two on his four-point side, and he's 32 inches wide to his extras. Jeez. And with a three-by-four mainframe, I taped him out at 196. Gosh, that's yeah, a big deer. It's, it's just, he's insane. He, he's so tall and has such good fork that he doesn't look anywhere close to as wide as he is. Yeah. Gosh, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah, you guys have definitely killed some big deer. So a few questions um, before we end, I guess. One of them is, so now you've killed yourself, you've killed two 200-plus um, inchers uh, with your typical that you told the story about on the last podcast and then the, your archery buck, and then you've helped on a lot of big deer. What what keeps you motivated and what keeps you going to keep chasing big deer? Um, the thought of one day finding a bigger one. <laughs> yeah. For I just sure. you know, I like out in Panaka this last year there were there was a high school kid that ended up killing a two hundred almost a two hundred and forty inch deer. And it's just stuff like that. It's things like that I wanna have that. I wanna be able to go out and find a two hundred inch or two hundred and forty inch deer. <laughs> yeah. And, and kill, and kill it, it on public land and doing it myself and just just so that I can say that I did it. Just so that I can hang it on the wall. I I don't even have to post a picture about it or anything, just so I can have one. Yeah. There's something special about putting your hands on a deer that's just that's just <laughs> something you don't get to do that often, just a giant deer. It's hard It's hard to explain, but it's something that you want to just do over and over again. Yeah, it's just the thought of, is that 240-inch deer going to be in that draw this year? Is he going to be there next year, or is he in the next draw over? That's just, that's all I'm looking for. I think that's <laughs> yeah. all all of us are looking for. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, and then I guess one more question to kind of end it off. Um, so, you've been hunting for a little bit now. So, what's something, I guess, that you know now that you wish you would have known five years ago? Um, I think it goes back to glassing. You know, my big thing five years ago was once it started to get 
hot when I was out looking. I was done looking. Yeah. Although now when I go out to glass, I'll start glassing as soon as the sun comes up, and I won't start back to the truck until 10, 11 o'clock. I'll just spend that four or five hours right there on the one ridge just glassing the hills that are right there in front of me because you never know when those bucks are going to turn up or when they're going to feed just around the hillside so that you can see them or stand up and switch in their bed, things like that. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good tip too because I've, I've seen that quite a bit, especially when you're hunting um, a buck or a unit with a lot of pressure. A lot of those bucks will be bed bedded down by first first light as soon as you can see um but then kind of once the pressure starts going back they'll they'll get up and feed for just a second from like 10 to 11 right in that time frame there is when i've seen a lot of big deer get up to feed and rebed and a lot of the times uh, most of the people are back at camp so i think that's i think that's really good advice yeah i think if you want to find the big deer you got to put in the time you got to sit out there behind the glass and look even when you're not seeing anything because there's always a chance that something could stand up and that goes right back to making your own luck yeah yeah i think i think you're right it just goes back to what what you said you learned about your from your uh archery hunt just putting in the time and doing things that other people won't don't want to do because other people usually aren't killing 200 inch deer <laughs> you gotta put in the time and uh i i always go back to i think robbie denning says it um like anyone can kill one big deer but when you do two it's on purpose <laughs> So I think that's cool that you killed two big bucks, and I think that hopefully there's more to come for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully. 